Hey, Josh Felber here with Making Bank. Uh, today's episode, guys, if you guys own a business at all, whether you have one employee, whether you have 50 or 100 employees, you got to check out today's episode. Why it's important to have a second command, why it's important to actually train and educate your employees, whether you have one or two, 50, 30, whatever that may be for your business, and why it's important to teach them certain things that's going to help you and then help improve your business overall. Today's guest, good friend of mine, new book just came out, Second Command. You got to check out Cameron Harold. He's going to share some amazing insights on how to grow your company, how to delegate, and how to find the right person that's the second command for your business. So again, guys, check out today's episode with Cameron Harold. And if you love making bank, you maybe even just like it a little bit, uh, make sure you guys share this episode, like this episode, send those comments down below. And just really honored and appreciate your time that you're spending uh, listening or watching Making Bank today. So thank you again. You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest. He's back on the show, Making Bank. He's known around the world as the CEO Whisperer, as well as the mastermind behind hundreds of companies' exponential growth. Cameron Harold has built a dynamic consultancy. His current clients include a big four wireless carrier and a monarchy. What do his clients say they like most about him? He isn't a theory guy. They like that Cameron speaks only from experience. He earned his reputation as the business growth guru by guiding his clients to double their revenue in just three years or less. Cameron was an entrepreneur, though, from day one, almost like myself. <laughs> At 21, he had 14 employees. By 35, he helped build his first two $100 million companies. By the age of 42, Cameron engineered 1-800-GOT-JUNKS, spectacular growth from $2 million to $106 million in revenue and 3,100 employees. And he did that in just six years. His companies landed over 5,200 media placements in that same six years, including coverage on Oprah. So I'm excited to welcome the CEO Whisperer, Cameron Harold, to Making Bank. Hey, Josh. Good to see you again, buddy. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Excited to have you back on the show. And uh, see what you have going on and what cool stuff that we can uh, dig up for the audience today. I, I know uh, you, I got a copy of the new book, The Second Command, so started uh, diving into it last minute uh, since it just came. There we go. It's <laughs> launch day. It's awesome. Awesome. Mine's a PDF copy, so okay, <laughs> the, real, the real one's supposed to arrive today via Amazon some point. Yeah, we'll get you the real one. <laughs> right. But um, I guess tell us a little bit of your, what's been happening lately. Like, obviously, you turned into a nomad. <laughs> and yeah. uh, give us a little bit of your experiences and, and how that's been working. And we can dive into a lot of stuff from there. Sure. So people always talk about the 1-800-GOD-JUNK story. I left there 16 years ago now, which is crazy. Wow. So long ago and how much has been done since. You know, since then, I've really coached um, well over 100 real companies. Typically, 50 to 500 employees is the zone that I tend to work in. Uh, but I work behind the scenes coaching CEOs and their COOs of high growth companies. Somebody once asked me, how come every company you touch turns to gold? And I said, I only touch gold. 
right? I only work with great companies. Well, one one is your wife's business, Trina's right. company on the life. I've worked behind the scenes helping Trina. Her COO is now a member of the COO Alliance. So I don't work with broken companies. I work with companies that are on the precipice of really having that high growth and then teaching them how to scale up, how to actually build strong teams, how to build strong cultures, and how to put kind of what I call the minimum viable everything in because momentum creates momentum. Six years ago, I started the COO Alliance, which is the only network of its kind in the world for the second in command. We've now got members from 17 countries. And then uh, 18 months ago, my wife and I sold everything. We sold our home in Arizona, got rid of our home up in Canada, sold all our furniture, assets, everything, right down to like a small storage locker with some art and a little bit of sports stuff in it. And we're on the road. So last year we hit 23 countries and we're set up for a fairly similar 2023. So being on the road like that, you know, getting rid of everything, being on the road, you know, traveling to these different countries, what are like a couple important things that you've actually been able to realize or come, you know, that's come from that? Yeah, a couple. One is that um, we don't need all the stuff that we tend to surround ourselves with, that we tend to spend money on things that, you know, take up space and then we need more space for more of the things. And so I started an exercise a few years ago where anytime one thing arrived at my home, I threw out two. So if I <laughs> bought something or if somebody sent me something, I had to throw out two things for every one that came into the house. That was a really interesting exercise on purging and it got very easy very quickly and started having fun with that. Secondly, for me at least is, is kind of anywhere I hang my hat, that's my home. I can be quite happy in a space and that's a, a bit of a learned habit to not force yourself to have a space to be happy in, but truly just being happy. Um, and then third is trying to find people to hang with, right? How do you find people that inspire me and that I can inspire and that I can have good relationships with? So often that's trying to plug into different entrepreneurial networks or meet entrepreneurs that are in different cities when we're on the road. So as an example, I'll be in, in Egypt in May. I reached out to the entrepreneurs organization chapter there. They've booked me and they're paying me to come speak to their chapter. One of the women from their chapter just reached out. She's going to take us out for dinner when we're there. So we try to do those kinds of things to be able to meet people and connect. And then lastly is joining a few different mastermind communities, you know, um. putting, putting money and investing in ourselves to be in some communities around other fun entrepreneurs. So this year we were at the annual genius network event again, I've been in that for seven or eight years. We're going to the main five-day TED conference. Um, this will be my ninth or tenth oh, cool. year main TED conference. You know, we get 125 TED Talks in five days. We're going to a baby bathwater event in Croatia. We're going to a, a Wayfinders entrepreneur event in Uganda. Um, so just kind of plugging into these cool communities and getting inspired throughout the year is, is important as well. No, that's awesome. I mean, I think it gives you a whole different perspective on entrepreneurship all over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, things that are similar, things that are, you know, totally different and everything and um, being able to have that uh, freedom and then create created that lifestyle for yourself to allow you and your wife to be able to go do that, I think is super awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. So uh, one of the things, I mean, obviously you got the second command, you, you have the uh, COO Alliance and everything. And I know even over the years, you know, as you worked with, you know, our company Primal Life and everything, and I'd reach out to you every once I'm like, oh, Cameron we need a COO or, you know, somebody, you're like, Oh, you're not ready yet. You don't need one yet. As a business owner, when should you start to look for one or what, you know, I guess, what is those kind of hurdles, you know, that, um, get you make that sign obvious. <laughs> yeah. I can answer that. I'm going to start with a slightly se separate question first, which is what is a COO, right? And cool. one of the reasons why I called the book, the second in command is the COO is just one of the many titles 
for the person that is second in command to the entrepreneur or the CEO. So it could be an integrator, it could be a, an operations person, it could be a project manager, it could be a general manager, or a VP operations, a COO, a president, but you're really the yin and yang to that CEO, to that entrepreneur, right? You're the counterpart to all of the stuff that, you know, maybe they're not great at. You're almost like the business spouse, right? Versus right. the aunts and uncles that are on the rest of the leadership team. The COO or the second command is really the business spouse to the entrepreneur. So the first thing that the entrepreneurs need to, to think about is if you're starting to get overwhelmed and you don't have time, the first key hire should be an executive assistant, right? If you don't have an executive assistant, you are one. So how do you get all of the admin off your plate first? How do you get all the stuff that is kind of the miscellaneous activities that are taking up time that are stressing you out or details that are being dropped? Get someone to handle that. And it's much cheaper to hire an executive assistant than it is to hire a true second in command. Mm, true. Part is when you're then hiring your first second in command, the title should be based on the roles and responsibilities and the compensation that you're willing to pay and the size that your company really is today. You know, if you're a company with 5 million or less, you're not hiring a COO. You're probably hiring a director of operations or maybe a VP of operations at best. You're probably mm. paying in the $120,000 to $180,000 range at most. So be careful with giving out titles that are too big too early. The next part is for you as the entrepreneurs to figure out what are all the parts of your business that drain you of energy? What are all the parts of the business that you don't love working on? And what are all the parts of the business that you suck at? And how can you delegate all of those things to somebody who loves those areas, who's really great at those areas and who wants to work in those areas and doesn't want to work on the areas that feed you and that give you energy, right? So you're kind of delegating everything except genius and hiring that right person. And okay, so for that, how do we know like what type of person is that right person? Yeah, it starts with the core behavioral traits of the individual. So based on the skill sets that they need to have, it's then what are the behavioral traits they need to show up at day to day in that role? And then secondly, what are the core values of your organization and do they already live those core values? They're going to be a different personality trait than you are, right? We do a, a Colby profile with all of our COO Alliance members. A Colby profile generates a four-digit number, and it talks about how a person likes to initiate or start projects. That's really the core of what the Colby profile says. <clears throat> well, most entrepreneurs have a high third number, meaning they're high quick starts. They're basically idea generation machines. They're perpetual motion machines, right? They, they, they shoot now and they plan later they're kind of making it up as they go. They're, they're kind of minimum viable everything, right? That's the entrepreneurial yep. DNA. Well, you don't want another entrepreneurial type COO. That would be disastrous. So most <laughs> COOs come in and they like to ask a lot of questions to start a project. So they're a high first number, which is a fact finder, or they're a high second number, which talks about them putting systems in place or processes in place or playbooks in place before they start a project, right? They have a checklist before they start the actual project. And often that can drive the entrepreneur nuts, but that's exactly what you're looking for. And that's why you need the core behavioral traits and the core values and the trust with them is to trust that they're going to be different, but they're gonna get your work done for you. So it's really, it's really about understanding yourself first to know what you're looking for in that person second. For sure, yeah, no, it's interesting because you were mentioning the Colby score and you know that's what I am, I'm a quick start. <laughs> You know, uh, part of, and you know, I got to hand off the projects to somebody else, and, you know, and instead of continue it on, so finding somebody else that it does the exact same way sometimes is not good for sure. <laughs> yeah, 
Now, what's interesting for Brian and I in the early stages of 1-800-GOT-JUNK is I was a very entrepreneurial COO, but that was exactly what the company needed then because it wasn't scaled. We didn't, so we were franchising something, but they had no franchise manual, so I had to write it. We had no franchise training program, so I had to build it. We had no real franchise sales process, so I had to show them how to sell franchises. We had no franchise coaching program, so I had to design it and train people in it. We had no marketing program or market, you know, marketing calendar or marketing budgets or PR company. So we had to build all these parts of the business. So we needed a very entrepreneurial COO who had done it before. And Brian was my best man at my wedding three months before I joined him as his COO. So the trust was very high. We'd also spent four years in a mastermind group called the Entrepreneurs Organization in a forum group together. So for four and a half years, we watched each other building our companies from a very, very close perspective. So we knew everything about each other day one. So it's almost like he had an unfair advantage, which is why I could be a very entrepreneurial COO. But I would have been a horrible COO for most of my COO Alliance members' companies. Gotcha. Yeah, because they needed somebody different, not right. the entrepreneurial focus. Yeah, somebody different, someone with different skills, and also someone slightly different from you know the, the perspective that that, that that entrepreneur would would see the issues as well. Gotcha. And that makes sense too. Now that's why the whole CEO, CEO whisper connects in. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of whispering in the ears of CEOs, right? I'm the one sitting yep. behind the scenes, explaining to the CEOs and often giving them the shortcuts. In many cases, coaching, it's why the world is littered with coaches is they, they've never actually run companies, but they know how to ask a lot of good questions. Most entrepreneurs don't want to be asked seven questions to have them figure out for themselves what they're supposed to do. They kind of want the cheat sheets. They want the, the shortcuts. So what I'm doing is chatting with these entrepreneurs or their C COOs, finding out what they're working on and giving them the quick, easy little systems to get momentum so that then they can build out the perfect systems later. No, that's good. So I know for us, like we, uh, over the years, like we, you know, we've looked, but not really looked for a potential director of operations or COO and things like that. And then when we were hiring for our sales position, you know, the person that we interviewed, we're like, Trina and I both walked out of the room, we're like, oh, she'd be a great COO or director of operations, but we're not ready for that just yet. <laughs> what, based on like her traits and skills and her, you know, what sure. we learned from her. So I guess, how do we hire? Like, how do we start to find that right person? Obviously you said, you know, knowing obviously like their Colby score to make sure they, you know, are kind of opposite and match what we're doing from a culture standpoint. But what does that process look like? You guys knew what you were looking for innately and you knew what you were looking for because there were enough frustrations boiling up in the business that when you stumbled on that person. You knew it was the right thing at the right time, right? You right. were also willing because you had the growth that you were growing so quickly. You had enough cash coming into the business. You had enough success and stability that you were willing to maybe hire a little bit ahead of the curve. See, the reality is that 12 months from now, you will need a second in command. 12 months from sure. now, business will be big enough and will require you to have a second in command. What you've done well is you've hired them 12 months early, which is going to give them time to understand the business, understand you, understand Trina, understand the people, to get up to speed, to be able to hit the ground running so that in 12 months, they could be a real COO and they already really know the company, right? What you right. want to do is the day that you hire there, the day that you need, really need them, you don't want them to show up and take four months to figure out the business because now you've lost that four months. Gotcha. Yeah. It's like, hey, here you go. <laughs> you know, what? learn it. Go. <laughs> imagine, 
imagine like if you need if you're parents and you needed a babysitter to take care of your kids tonight at seven o'clock do you want a girl to show up at seven o'clock and then you have to train her to be a babysitter no you need a babysitter <laughs> to show up at seven who knows how to be a babysitter and you've probably met with her a few days before to talk about the kids to show her the home so that she can show up and you can exit quickly to the restaurant it's the same idea but most people don't approach it that way in business no, I mean, that, that, you know, definitely, you know, clarifies it and gives you a better perspective as we hire the person, what's the best way to really start to work with them? Um, like me, I suck at trying to teach people like, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's, here's what I need to offload. Yeah. Part of it is the CEO sitting down and saying, what are the areas of the business that I really love? What are the areas of the business that I'm really, really good at? If, if I only had two hours a day to run my company, what would I do in those two hours? And how can I yeah, offload yeah. everything but those? How can I get rid of everything except genius? Um, and the key is to hire somebody who is really good at all that stuff so they can take it off our plate reasonably quickly. And is that, is well, that like an exercise you'd sit down with your potential COO then? You sit down before the COO because you really have okay. to advance all the stuff that you're going to get off your plate so that you can recruit somebody who's already really good at that stuff. So they know coming in, here's all my roles and responsibilities. Here's the metrics and KPIs I'll be measured by. Here's all the areas the CEO is running and I'm not going to touch those areas and they're not going to touch mine. And then the CEO's job in the first few months is to make sure that you're very available to that COO who's going to be trying to figure it all out. And the stuff that we take for granted that's going to take them months to actually understand, right? We have to remember that three days of training isn't going to get them up to speed. Yeah, and that's what I was asking is like, how do we know how well they're doing? Are they figuring it out? Are they, you know, yeah. I guess. If, if you get the right COO with that open, trusting environment, they'll tell you how they're doing, right? If you check in and say, how's it going? What are you struggling with? Where can I be more available for you? Where can I be, you know, more helpful for you? Where am I f***ing up? Right. If you're right. kind of open and vulnerable that way, those will be helpful as well. That's awesome. What I guess when a CEO, COO comes into a company, what's kind of the top three things that they need to know and be focused on um, to be the best person there? Yeah. And well, most of them, it needs to be the interpersonal skills, right? How are they at removing obstacles, at growing people, at growing people's confidence, at aligning employees, at really growing their direct reports? But in the first 30 days, when a COO comes into a company, they should walk around with a notebook and write down lots of ideas, lots of things they want to change and do nothing. <laughs> I want to fire Bob. Don't do it. Just write it down. In month two, <laughs> they should go back and check on all those things that they wanted to do and stress test them a little bit, dig in about them a little bit more and really test their hypotheses on each of those 40 things they wanted to do. In month three, they should take the easy things that they still feel strongly about that they know are true and put the easy low hanging fruit things in place first so that they get momentum. So that the employees around go, oh, I saw you made a change. It's working. But don't do the ones that require a lot of people or time or money. Just do the ones that are quick wins so that you build trust and you build some momentum. In second quarter, you can start working on the bigger projects that require more inputs and people time and money side of the business. Yeah, I that is important because I mean, as obviously somebody coming in that's new and all of a sudden your employees are like, Oh crap, what are they going to do? And you know, and you start firing Bob and crew right off the bat. <laughs> and they're, they're nervous about it, right? They create ripple effects. The, the new COO is like a huge boulder that you're dropping into a pond. You have to be very cognizant of the ripples that they make and, and be careful that those ripples 
don't really upset the whole company for sure. Awesome. I know we got a little bit of time left. What's a couple of things through the different companies you've worked with over the years from a growth standpoint that people need to take a look at and do in their business to go from that one to five, the five to 10? Yeah. So, and I call it the ones and threes. You go from one to three, from three to 10, 10 okay. to 30, 30 to 100. They're defined points. When you're going from one to three, it's hiring a couple of good people that you really like that are good at a whole bunch of general things, but they're not experts. When you go to 10, it's about hiring your first person that can manage people. They're not an expert, but they're good at, they're good at, at project management. They're good at time management. They're good at getting shit done. They're good at delegation and people like them. When you go to 30, it's about getting your first management team in place, probably four or five people that manage everybody else in the business for you. You have to like them. You have to respect them. They have to be good at people. They have to be good at their domain expertise. Not again, necessarily deep domain experts, but good enough that you know, you've got some confidence in them. When you go from 30 to 100 employees, that's when you hire your first leadership team, deep domain expertise, none of those five or six people reporting to you, you couldn't do their job anymore. They're just way better at that specific area than you are. And your job is to align people, to grow people, to remove obstacles from people, almost to flip the org chart upside down. Those are kind of some of the people things. And then I think that at every stage of the company, we need to invest in our people, right? The more we grow their skills, the more we grow their confidence, the more they'll grow the company for us. And that's great. What, um, like, what are some key points or some key ideas there investing back in those employees like what are like hey you know these are great things to do for that yeah i mean what you know one is a dead obvious for me is i i launched a course a year and a half ago called invest in your leaders and it's got the 12 core leadership skills that all managers need to be good at that most entrepreneurs have never been trained in you know i'll give you an example you've hired people before right you've done job interviews for sure yes how much training have you ever had on doing interviews just what you can learn and read and try to figure out. <laughs> so you've never really had a formal instruction. Not a formal. Training, right? Right. Uh, imagine being, an, being a, the, the, do we know any of the best athletes in the world that have just read some books on it? No. They've had coaches. They've practiced. They've role played. They've, they've you know, trained on stuff. They've, they've watched videotapes of it all. That's training. How much training have you ever had on delegating or on time management or on coaching or on situational leadership, or on running effective meetings, or on handling conflict, none. Right. We have all these entrepreneurial organizations that are trying their best, but have never had any training other than reading a book. And then, so then we have the blind leading the blind, and we have all these entrepreneurs running around saying business is difficult. No, business is really simple. If you would actually train your employees, like we would train, you know, your kids are, are getting training at actually driving race cars, or kids right. training at playing football, well, let's train our employees, train our managers on the 12 core leadership skills. Business gets really simple at that point, right? Then, then it's about getting more shit done with less people faster. That's what I did at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. That's what I work behind the scenes with companies on is growing their skill set around not what they do, but how they do it. Yeah, no, that's good. And you mentioned at like 30 employees to have a core leadership team. Like, what does that leadership team look like? Is it just more like a manager of marketing, a manager of and whatever? At 30, at 30 employees, it's a core management team. At 100 employees, it's your first leadership team. And I use those terms slightly differently for intentional purposes. Okay. Leadership are people that understand strategy. Leaders that understand how to align different business areas while focusing on a functional area. 
managers tend to be more myopic and they can really only focus on their business area. Like the head of marketing tends to think that marketing is everything. But right. But a CMO, a true chief marketing officer, understands that it's about the leadership team first and marketing second. It's about aligning all the business areas, right? So at that 30 person size, it's hiring good manager level people, good director level people who probably can't quite be strategic, but they sure. can a learning strategy. They're, they're not quite great at leading people yet, but they can be taught that stuff. They need to be given the skills around coaching and delegation and running one-on-one -on -one meetings. So if you develop their skills as leaders on top of the domain expertise they have, that's what grows those people. So in that 30 person size, it's all around alignment and growing people. That's our job as CEO and COO. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Guys, I guess hope you listen to what Cameron's really talking about. Dropping a ton of amazing insights for your business, what you have going on, whether you're just at a couple people, 30 people, 100 people, start looking to invest back in them. You can invest in them when there are two people working with you or, you know, at 100. It's easier at two because yeah. then you can start to get the process and systems down. But make sure you guys are taking notes. Listen, watch this again. And then start to figure out how to implement that. Obviously, Cameron's got tons of amazing training inside his books and everything. The second command and meetings suck because if you don't like meetings, that's another great one that I've read. And free PR if you want to get lots of free PR. But um, before we wrap up, Cameron, what's something like, oh, man, I wanted to make sure I shared this today with everybody before Josh finishes. It's something that you and Trina actually really understand is none of this shit actually matters. <laughs> this is just what we do to make money. Right. Let's have yeah. fun along the journey. Let's hang out with our kids, hang out with our friends, enjoy the journey that we're on. Because at the end of the day, we're all just walking each other home. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so true. So true. Cameron, appreciate you coming on. Where can people grab more information about you? I know second commands on Amazon, anywhere else you want to send them. Yeah. Amazon, Audible and iTunes is for the book, the second in command. All five of my other books are up there as well. And then check out the invest in your leaders course for sure. Invest in your will be huge for anybody. And then if you have a second in command and your company does at least 5 million or greater in revenue, check out the COO Alliance as well. Awesome. And I know our COO or our director of operations, she's, she's working there and she'll be visiting you multiple times throughout the year. So it's great. To <laughs> I have you. Yeah. I appreciate your time, Cameron. Thank you for coming on making bank. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. I am Josh Felber. You are watching making bank, get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.